Hi, and welcome to the BPD Bravery Show, where we discuss tips, strategies, struggles, triumphs, and success stories related to borderline personality disorder. Here is your host, Faye Green. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the BPD Bravery Show. Today's guest is Zanny Stavard psychology graduate, seamstress, and content creator. She navigates life with ADHD and is in functional recovery from BPD. Zanny devotes the majority of her time to the BPD Bunch, her video podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. The show is specifically designed for people experiencing symptoms of BPD, offering valuable insights and a sense of community. In this episode, we're going to dive into a topic close to many hearts. How can you maintain a romantic relationship when battling with the tides of BPD? Buckle up, listeners. We are about to set off on an enlightening journey. Thanks again for doing this uh, with me. I do love the topic of BPD relationships, because that is a tough one for everyone. Would yes. you mind describing your journey with BPD and romantic relationships? How it impacted your life? It's definitely been quite an up and down. I remember really having challenges with relationships when I was in middle school and high school. And I had this weird thing where I would be really into somebody and then we would become official, start dating. And then I would get so anxious, so, so anxious that I felt physically sick to be around them. And I still to this day don't know exactly what was happening. I don't know if it was just that I built up something in my head and then there was a real person I didn't know what to do. But that fizzled out a lot of my relationships in the beginning of high school and middle school because I just, I don't know what happened, but I was just so anxious. I felt sick and I was like, I'm sorry. I do like you, but I can't do this. Bye. <laughs> and once I kind of got over that, I started to have relationships where I got really, really attached. And when they ended, I had a really hard time with it. And I think the worst one was when I was in my early 20s or 1920-ish. I got into an on-again, off-again relationship with someone and it was horrible. Because every time they left, I felt like I was going to die. And I started doing bananas crazy things to try to get them to come back and stay with me. And I'm actually really lucky in the end that they went away and stayed away because I don't think I would have had the strength to recognize that it was really problematic and needed to be over. So I'm, I'm very, very fortunate for that. Then I spent some time single, got into another relationship that was on the surface seemed okay. But the person that I was with had a very passive way of dealing with things. So it wasn't really like we didn't have any issues. He just didn't react to stuff that much. And so I was sort of under the impression that it was relatively okay. And then that relationship ended and I again felt like I wanted to die. And that was actually kind of what got me to accept the BPD diagnosis. And I started dialectical behavior therapy. And at about the same time, I met someone who became my husband. And we've now been together for six years. And we got married in 2020. And it is 
very different from all the other relationships I've been in. You know, in some ways it's more intense because he is not the type of person to let me get away with stuff when I'm being kind of catty or not so nice about things because I have a tendency to to snap sometimes. Uh, and he doesn't let me get away with that. And so then we have to, you know, we had to come to a head about that. But in other ways, it's much more stable because I don't feel like I have to act out to get him to stay with me. It took us, it took some time to get there. I mean, it wasn't like that from the beginning. It definitely took some time, but eventually I did get to the point where I could trust that I could be upset about something and he could be upset about something. And it wasn't about, we weren't fighting about whether or not we were going to stay together. So what would you say are your biggest, biggest challenges faced uh, maintaining a healthy relationship now with your partner? I think now the biggest struggle is that I can still get convinced sometimes that I'm right to be upset. And if I uh, convince myself that I'm right to be upset, then I justify being not very nice Mm. about it. Because I'll say like, I'm right to be angry and therefore I can yell. I often will say to myself that it doesn't matter if I'm right because not because my feelings aren't important or that I don't want to justify how I feel, but because I know that when I think that I am justified, then I have a tendency to go overboard and, and say, well, then therefore they deserve this. And I can't think of really any scenarios with my husband where it's effective for me to scream and yell at him. You know, even when I'm right, I I don't want to beat him down. I think that's one of the challenges that I've always had in arguments in the past is that whether it's with somebody that I love or not, I want to be right. I want to win. But you don't want to win against your partner because you're on the you're on the same side. And if you beat them down, then you're, you know, you, you've kind of put them at odds with you in a different way. You know, you, you kind of smash them down. And I, I really want to make sure that when we're resolving things, it's working for both of us. And it's not me winning against him, which is hard because I still want to win. I still feel competitive, you know, <laughs> but I think reminding myself that being right doesn't really matter. And that the, you know, the team is what matters. That sort of helps me to get out of that mindset, but it's hard, you know, and the more upset I am, the more challenging it is to see things clearly. I actually, a couple of weeks ago, had a moment where I was really upset and I was, I was thinking things like, oh, this is the end of our marriage. And then there was a noticeable shift. My emotions started coming back down. And at a certain point, it was like a switch just flipped. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, why was I thinking that? Mm. The hardest part about sort of being at a relatively recovered is that you still can fall into these traps where your emotions are so loud, they paint the entire picture of reality. I think that's the other part of, of those challenges, taking a step back and taking the time to allow myself to kind of come back down to what is my baseline is important before I make any major decisions. Because if I didn't, I would have ended our our marriage like 10 times over by now, you know, just because I was feeling really upset in the moment. Hmm. So what happens when something like this happens? You have a challenge. 
How do you two handle it? It's definitely two sides and it depends on the challenge. Uh, I think for me, one of the things that's useful is for my husband to be present and engaged, but not super emotional. Maybe emotional is the wrong word, but not getting aggressive. Like if he were to show sadness or fear, that would be okay. But if especially if I'm angry, if he reflects that anger back at me, then it's just like pouring gasoline on the fire. So it's not that I don't want him to seem like he cares, but it works better for me if he continues the discussion in sort of a calm, moderated way. And then that that's so that's one thing that he can do. And that makes it a lot easier for me if I start feeling like I if I'm really getting angry or starting to get really activated. If he isn't activating with me, it's a lot easier for me to to stop and go, huh, maybe I'm the one that's like <laughs> going off the deep end here. I think another thing for me is being really aware of how particularly anger feels in my body. Because for me, anger is the emotion that really causes the most trouble. A lot of other emotions lead to anger, but anger is kind of my go-to if I feel hurt I can sometimes go to being angry. So I guess there's two parts to this. One is I try to avoid using anger to deal with it. So I tr if I'm sad, I try to stay with the sadness. Or if I feel shame or guilt or whatever, I try to stay with those emotions, which is not always easy because they make me feel vulnerable. But if I'm unsuccessful in sticking with those emotions, and sometimes I am just legitimately angry, if I feel like the energy in my body from the anger is starting to move from, it sort of starts in my chest. If I feel like it's starting to move into my head or into my extremities, that's a moment where I say, all right, I got to step away from this. If there was a moment, even just a couple of weeks ago where we were having a discussion and I was just starting to feel really activated and I grabbed my backpack and the house keys and I was like, I'm going for a walk. And I just walked around the block a few times before we came back and finished the conversation. That's good. Um, um, let's, I don't know if I asked you that, but let's backtrack. You, were you diagnosed with BPD when you met him? Yes. Um, I, so I was diagnosed with BPD when I was 15, the first time. Oh. I don't really remember that so well because at the time I had an eating disorder and the psychiatrist gave my parents a list of people to call and they didn't really get any answers of where to go. So it was, I was just focusing on my eating disorder behavior and trying to deal with that. And then when I was 20 is when it was brought up again. And that's when I really remember it being more pushed on me. And that was a challenge because every person I saw had sort of a different take on what that meant or what to do. Like there were some people who would say things like, well, you know, maybe she fits that, but we don't want to, we don't want to give anybody any labels because all labels are bad. Or if we tell her this is what she has, then she'll, any behavior that she's not currently exhibiting, she's going to look it up and just take it on because that's what they do. Um, or, She's too high functioning for this. That one never made sense to me because I have really struggled with the things that people usually consider high functioning. So I don't even know where that came from. It, right before I met my husband, when I went through a breakup, I was 28 at the time. 
that was when my parents and I sat down and we went through the DSM again. And I mean, I'd been diagnosed and sort of undiagnosed, you know, tentatively diagnosed by many, many people over the, all of those years. And after this breakup, we sat down and went through it again. It was like, okay, I think it's time to just accept that this is what it is because that's what everyone keeps going back to, whether they decide to actually say that's what you have or not. That's the, the thing that they keep talking about. And so that was when I went to go seek out a DBT therapist and they confirmed, yeah, this is BPD. And I basically was going through dialectical behavior therapy while dating my husband. Cool. So did you tell him right away that you have BPD? Yeah. So I told him more or less on the first date. Um oh. I did. I don't think I used the words BPD or borderline personality disorder. I think I said that I have an emotion dysregulation disorder, so I'm more emotionally sensitive than other people. My emotions come on more strongly, more quickly, more easily, and they take longer to return to baseline than for the average person. Uh, and then at some point, I started using the words BPD, but... I know different people have different ways of approaching it. And I think probably your age and what you want to get out of a relationship at that moment probably matters. But for me, I, I really felt my biological clock ticking and I wanted to find somebody who was really going to be willing to build a life with me and have children with me. And, and so for me, it was like, I don't, I don't want to waste a single second with somebody that's not on board with this because I just don't have time. I don't have, you know, I don't have time to get, you know, six months in and then have some, you know, even a few months in and have somebody realize that, that, that this isn't what they want. So I was very, I was kind of ruthless with my, with my like swiping when I was looking on through dating apps. And I, I say ruthless in the sense of like, you know, if, if we had a value that seemed like it was incompatible, I was like, Nope. Or, you know, if there was something that gave me weird vibes, I was like, nope, I, I just, just I don't have time for this. We're going to find somebody and make it work. So, yeah. So I told him on the on the first day sort of what I wanted out of a relationship. I think it's really funny when people are like, oh, you shouldn't say, you know, that you want kids or that you have a personality disorder or, or any of these things up front. And I'm kind of like, I get it. You know, there is a lot of stigma out there and it can make life difficult. But for me, it's like. I guess I'm going to find out either way, you know, why wait? And also just because I share these things with someone, you know, they're there. I may find out something about you that I don't like, you know, like exactly just because I want kids does not mean I necessarily want them with you. <laughs> That's a whole other what, topic, was, <laughs> what was there? What was his response when you said that? Neither of us can remember what it was. Oh, because it, I, I think I, I think what I what I remember was that he appreciated my honesty, but that was about it. Mm. Um, there wasn't like any big concern. Or I think I think the biggest thing was like months later trying to figure out how we would talk about some of that stuff to his fa extended family. It wasn't a big deal. You know, I think That's most cool. people don't know what it most the reality is most people don't know what it is. Uh and since I didn't use the words BPD, you know, emotion dysregulation disorder doesn't really sound like very much unless you know what it is. So Hey there warriors, before we dive into our episode today, I wanted to take a moment to give a special shout out to our wonderful sponsor, hopeforbpd.com. 
If you've been a part of this journey, you know that I don't just bring you stories and expert advice. I also am on the lookout for resources that can make your journey with BPD more manageable and more hopeful. Hope for BPD is that resource, a beacon of hope. Whether you're personally affected by BPD or you're supporting a loved one through their journey, this platform is here to assist you in every step of the way. Hope for BPD provides confidential and compassionate treatment consultation, information and research about evidence-based treatments, ongoing solution-focused and non-judgmental support for individuals with BPD and family members, and so much more. BPD isn't something you have to face alone or in the dark. So visit their website at hopeforbpd.com to learn more about their services and find that glimmer of hope you've been looking for. Because remember, no matter how tough it gets, there's always hope. And now back to our show. Let's talk about misconceptions about BPD when it comes to romantic relationships. I'm sure you heard a ton of them. Um, What are some of the big ones that stand out to you? Well, I think a lot of people say, you know, it's not possible to have a relationship with someone who has BPD. Um, And I think I understand where that misconception comes from. You know, the person that I was before I learned skills was probably not someone who should have been in a relationship. But I think just having a BPD diagnosis does not mean that you are not able to be in a healthy relationship. And part of the problem with that is that we just don't have consistent language around what it means to have BPD, right? Like you could, you could say I have BPD and you mean like I've been diagnosed with it and I'm symptomatic and I like, I don't have, I haven't been through any treatment. I don't have any skills. Or you could say I have BPD and you just simply mean that you have a diagnosis of it, but maybe you're managing it very well. Like there's, there isn't some standardized language around that. So it's, it's really challenging. There's this sort of catch-all like people with BPD shouldn't be in, you know, in relationships because they can't handle it. That's like, for, there is probably a phase for each of us during which that might be true, but that doesn't mean that, that that's like a blanket for all time. You know, I mean, even for myself, like I, I'm glad things worked out with my husband. I do think it might've been a little bit easier if I had learned some of the skills before we had even met because I now am still dealing with some of the dynamics between us that were created earlier on in our relationship. That's just, so I would say it's like, it's helpful to get some skills, but BPD is created and maintained in relationships. So it, you know, some of that healing also has to occur through relationships it's not like you can just do, you know, it's not like you can go to DBT or whatever therapy and learn a bunch of skills and then you'll just be great because it's not until you're in a relationship that some of those things come up That's at all, true. you know? And yep. so I think it's important to, to, to see that as, you know, yes, having a relationship with someone with BPD can be challenging at times, but it can also be very rewarding. You know, many of us do, care a lot about our partners and are willing to put in a lot of effort into making it work. And once we have the skills to make that happen, it can be a really beautiful thing. Yep. So now let's switch uh, the script. How can a partner of someone with BPD um, provide support while also maintaining their mental health? Well, I'll say, I'll say what my husband has done sort of for me and for, for him. I think one of the most important things is to be firm in your boundaries and not sacrifice those 
this is not something that we we like to to think about but at least for me i wasn't always good at respecting other people's boundaries because i kind of thought that if you really loved someone then you were like one person and there there was no difference between you and me it's like it's like we're we've become melded and that's not really all that healthy you know you you need to know where you end and someone else begins and i think as the partner who doesn't have BPD, maintaining your own boundaries is good, not only for you, because it helps you, you know, keep your own space and peace, but it also helps teach your partner what setting boundaries looks like. Not that it's not that it should be up to you to teach them. I think that this is where we get into a bit of a challenge because a lot of the times, if you're the one with BPD, it can feel like the other person has to be your parent. They're doing the right things and teaching you how to do the right things. And it's it's really not, you, you can't condense it all down to, to that. But in this one instance, you know, I, I will say that if you are good at setting boundaries, you can help demonstrate to your partner setting good boundaries. And then they will be, it's easier for them to do it on their own. I'm just saying, don't take that concept and extrapolate it to everything because the last thing you want is to feel like for either of you to feel like somebody's the parent and somebody else is the child in the relationship, because that is sort of a recipe for a disaster. Thank you. So boundaries are critical. Yes. And probably over communication, meaning we often assume that we know what people mean when they say certain things, but even those of us that come from the same town, you know, it's not it's not even huge cultural differences like like our families, our individual family cultures can be totally different. And the way that we interpret the same thing can be totally different just because of our family culture. And I'll give you an example. My husband likes to crack jokes in difficult moments because for him, it was all about trying to find something to laugh about when things are going wrong because laughter is something you know laughter is the best medicine as they say right it's the it's something to sort of turn things around i always interpreted that as like making a joke at someone else's expense you know or like oh how can you make a joke during you know during a time like this like what is wrong with you and it was just we just had two very different ways of looking at it and it is important for us to sit down and have that conversation about what we mean when we say certain things because even though we're using the same words that doesn't necessarily mean that what we think about what we mean when we say them is the same and i think that's one good way to always be checking on your relationship and in you know in the Overarching and also in the immediate sense is just always be over communicating what you mean and asking each other questions constantly. You know, what does it mean when you when you say that or what are you trying to achieve when you say this? As it turns out, we're we're not always that great at interpreting what other people are trying to say. Although we think we are. Yeah, we think (laughs) we think we know, but we don't. That is true. No, that is very true, especially uh, mind reading. I think people with BPD have a tendency to do that. I, yeah, I've often, and it, it's it's hard because you, 
you think, you know, you've had several experiences maybe with somebody else. And so you think, oh, well, they meant this. So this person means this too. And I can say from experience that that is a great way to suffocate your relationships real quick because nobody likes to feel like they are responsible for someone else's behavior. Meaning like my current partner does not want to feel like what my past partner did has anything to do with them, right? Like they're not the same person. They don't need making that, making my current partner responsible for past partner's behavior is really great way to make my current partner feel like there's no hope because it's like, how can he apologize for something that somebody else did? You know, like I, so that's why communication is important. And, and if somebody is doing something that looks similar to a problematic behavior in the past is to really dig in and ask where that's coming from and what they're trying to, to accomplish. And if it's, and if it is really hard for you to react in a different way, you can always ask, okay, could you phrase this a little bit differently? You know, when you use this word, it just really reminds me of how so-and-so used to behave. And it's really hard to separate that out. Would you mind making that accommodation? That's cool. Thank you. So now for people with BPD who are struggling with a, re a romantic relationship, do you have any advice for them? Yes. The first thing that's really important probably is to, I've said this in a video on my own podcast before, and I always wonder, like, are people going to think this sounds bananas? But sometimes I think it's important to treat issues almost like a scientific experiment in the sense of like, when you are experimenting in, in, in a lab, the expectation is that you are going to fail more often than you succeed because you're trying to come up with something new. And that's not to say that you should have a fatalistic outlook on your relationship, but meaning say there's a particular issue that comes up and you take a second to think, okay, well, maybe if we handle it this way next time, we'll try it like this. And then you give it a try and maybe that doesn't work. If, you, if you're thinking about it more like a scientific experiment, it's easier, at least for me, it's always easier to not crumble into a little ball when something I tried didn't work out because I can say, okay, well, you know, that was just one thing. Here's another thing, or here's a tweak we can do. Um, you know, for example, I kind of got stuck once where, you know, my husband kind of felt like abandoned when I would walk out to, you know, go deal with my emotions. And, but I still kind of needed to do that. And so there was this awkward moment once where I was like, I don't know if I can keep having this conversation. And we just sort of stared at each other and nobody moved. And so then we just kept fighting. And then we looked back at that later and we were like, okay, so whose responsibility is it? You know, when, when, when you say like, you can't do this in this moment. Oh, okay. Well, maybe if, if I'm going to say I got to take a break, then I'm going to do that. And he also agreed that he's going to trust that I'll come back and he won't, you know, he'll let me go and he won't make that difficult for me because, because we realized like, oh, this really doesn't work. If I'm trying to stay, even though I'm trying to go and I don't really know if I'm allowed to, it's just, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. But because it was sort of like an experiment, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that really didn't work and we totally understand why. So this is how we're going to do it next time. You know, and and I, I just think that sort of outlook makes things a lot easier. It's the hope that you'll succeed, but knowing that a lot of the times you won't. And I think 
with that, it's very important not to, and this is for both sides probably, but to not hold this long laundry list of everything your partner's done wrong and give them the space to become someone new. Because the thing with a long-term relationship is that list ain't ever getting shorter. It's only ever going to get longer. If you just keep counting all the things, then eventually, you know, your partner's going to crumble under that weight. And I know for me, especially when I get really, when I'm really hurt or upset, I really want to hurl things back at him to be like, maybe if you feel this pain by me throwing things at you verbally, then you'll stop being mean somehow. But it, it really just makes everybody feel like garbage. And so I think that's not to say that, and this is where things get challenging, right? Because of course, if things aren't ever getting better with your partner, maybe they're not putting in the effort or, you know, maybe you have fundamentally different values. There are things to look out for that you you want to be aware of patterns and you have to be careful not to make this huge list that your partner can never get out from under, you know, especially if it's been years since a certain behavior is no longer an issue, whether that's the person with BPD or not, you got to You got to be able to let some of that stuff go. I think as the person with BPD too, it's important not to make everything about the BPD. And this is from, you know, I've had a lot of experiences where I would sort of come to a breakdown and say, well, I have BPD, therefore you need to, you know, the person you decided to be with, so suck it up. I think that BPD is very hard to live with, no doubt. And your partner's aware of that, probably. Like if they are a halfway decent person, they already know. And using it as like a validation for ineffective behavior is not really okay because it doesn't really give them your partner anything to work with. There's nothing in there that they can do anything with. You're like, well, I have BPD. And they're like, okay, so how do we go forward from here? Like, it's kind of, I've had people tell me that it feels like they just have to accept me being mean to them when I say that, like, like I, like I'm basically saying I have BPD. So suck it up is kind of how it's been interpreted by other people. And that's never what I, what I, if I thought about what I was thinking, like, that's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm just trying to say that, you know, it's, it's hard for me because I have this challenge and, you know, it just doesn't really get you anywhere. So I, I would be cautious against weaponizing, I guess, your diagnoses, because if your partner cares at all, they already know how difficult it is. And they don't need that thrown in their face, especially because I can't say this for everyone, but for me, I'll just speak for myself. I definitely had the lived with the delusion that other people are unaffected by things. And everything is hard for me because I have BPD and you know, if you're not on the floor sobbing, then there's no way you're sad about this. Uh, and I think that while it may be true that my husband and people who don't have BPD, maybe their experience of their emotions is not as intense as mine, but that doesn't mean that they don't have any. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt if I'm if I'm unpleasant. So I think really trying to work on how I communicate then how we communicate what we're trying to say is, you know, I'm kind of rambling on now. Hopefully this makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. It very much does. Thank you so much. Um, before we wrap it up, do you want to talk about the BPD bunch? Yeah. So 
I host a show called The BPD Bunch, and it is a panel-style talk show, vlogcast, I guess, where we have a panel of people who are all in what we call functional recovery from borderline personality disorder. Um, and just to, functional recovery to me is basically just being at a level where you can do the things that are important to you, whatever those things are. And so because of that, everybody's, there are different levels of it because it, pe people, we all have different standards for, you know, the things that we want to be able to do. You know, for some people that's living independently, um, for others that might be having a job or having a relationship or whatever. So we have this panel of people who are all in varying degrees of functional recovery. And we talk about how we got to be that way. And the goal really is to bring hope to people who are struggling and to show that there's no one single path to recovery because you know, DBT is talked about a lot and I did DBT. I, I really got a lot out of it, but there are loads of different therapies for BPD. Um, and depending on your cultural background, the way that you come at your recovery is going to be different. So we have people from all over the world get together to talk about these different issues. And I, I'm blown away at, at really the response. We've only been around a year. We're already on our third season and we have a lot of a lot of really great responses from from the audience so i'm i'm just thrilled about that i guess yeah thank you because i enjoy it too i do find it very helpful so <laughs> <laughs> thank you from me to you really i oh, do i love it i love you. what you do and thank you so much for doing this uh with me today and giving me and everyone your time yeah, and wisdom it's my pleasure Thank you so much for joining us on today's BPD Bravery Show. If you've enjoyed it, then like, share, and subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure to tune into our show every Monday and Friday. And remember, you are so much more than your BPD.